Our topic this week from the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, will be finding the right spouse. <laughs> yes, you you want to have the right spouse, yes. Now, the principles we're going to be looking at today will apply, uh, even if you're not looking for a spouse right now or don't need a spouse right now, maybe you already have one, uh, but you might be able to learn some things that you'll be able to share with other people and, again, apply to other areas of your life um, or, you know, you don't, who knows what the future will hold. So, uh, so finding the right spouse. So in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And so God has created humanity. He created us as uh, interactive beings. We, he created us with a desire to be around other people. And we're not naturally lone wolves totally, completely. He likes to be around people. That's how God created us. So it's good for us to be around other people. And so marriage is one of those ways, but certainly a congregational family and having friends certainly applies there, right? So we need to have more than just virtual friends. We need to have real friends and be interactive with people. It's not good for us to be alone. People say, well, I pray at home and I, you know, and I, I, I read the Bible at home, but that's not enough. We need other people as well. We need to be around other people. And so God said, I will make a helper. And so God created marriage so that we help one another. And same with friendships and again, same with congregations that we, and neighborhoods and communities, that we are there to help one another. It's not about getting. We go into a relationship with what am I going to get out of it? And are, are they satisfying my needs? Uh, are they making me happy? That's a losing situation and we will not be happy and they won't be happy. God created us to be helpers to help the other person. And so when we come into a relationship in how can I serve, how can I help, how can I be a blessing to this other person, that is the starting line, that's the starting basis. And then a helper to be comparable to him. And so compatible, comparable, there should be uh, some similarities. So while opposites attract, um, also we need to uh, be... Um, Birds of a feather flocking together, right? So there's a balance of both. And we're going to be looking at some of those principles tonight on how to be a helper and how to uh, be comparable. How do we know whether we are comparable or not? Verse 19, out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to name them. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. So it's a says the same thing twice, it's important, when God mentions the same thing twice. Verse 21, the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept and took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh of, uh, in its place. And then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And so God brought Eve to the man. Didn't say, okay, God didn't create to take the rib and go create Eve and then tell Adam, go find her. You know, it wasn't a hide-and-seek type of a thing, right? So we don't have to go looking for a spouse, right? Uh, God will bring, if we are where God, or if we are in God's will and we are where God has us to be, and that could be in Timbuktu, it doesn't matter, uh, God will then have that other person there ministering in Timbuktu as well, right? And so... Uh, he will bring the two together if we are about the Lord's will. And that's what we see from the beginning. 
God brought Eve to the man. So he took the rib and then he went to his lab or whatever he did, right? And he to create Eve and then brought her back to Adam and he brought her to him. And there's a lot of other stuff there, but we'll cover that another week. And so then God said, to, so God presented and Adam said, whoa, man, <laughs> right? <laughs> and that's where we get woman from, right? So that was... Uh, Adam's first impression when he, when he saw Eve, right? And so God created us that way. And so we have this marriage, God bringing marriage together right there in the Garden of Eden before sin entered the world. We're still in just chapter two. Uh, and God hates it, or Satan hates it. Satan hates marriage. And he's doing everything he can to destroy it. There are two covenants that God created in the Garden of Eden. And one is the covenant of marriage, and the other is the covenant of the Sabbath. He created the Sabbath and gave that to humanity. And Satan hates both of those, and he's been on the attack on both of those, and will so at the last days even more so than ever. And that's one of the signs I believe we are here in the last days as he is on the attack. And we've seen that through, through the 60s, through the free love and free sex and open sex generation, which led to the 70s, which was the open divorce. So the free sex led to open divorce, and lots of divorces, and then to the 80s, uh, open homosexuality, and, and living together, and, and then the 90s, and, and 200s of the, of the divorce, uh, homosexual marriage uh, being legalized and, and done. And it's amazing. So, so the heterosexuals don't want to get married anymore. They want to live together. It's only the homosexuals that want to get married. <laughs> Kind of a strange thing, right? And so the changes that were taking place, then we have these children being born, mixed families with three daddies, three mommies, and a his and a hers and a theirs, and all kinds of things taking place. And it's all an attack on the family. It's all an attack on what God created in the beginning. And so Satan hates that. He hates these things that were there from the beginning and trying to pervert what God has ordained and planned for humanity. So it's so important, it's vitally important that we get this area right, and again, as it applies to other areas of our lives as well, same principles, but that we understand the things that God laid out there in the first chapters of the Bible, in the Garden of Eden. And so how to find the right spouse? First thing to do to find the right spouse is to be the right spouse. Right? So focus on, again, finding someone else. Focus on being right with God. Right? Be the right person so that God can bring the right person to you. So it's really not about finding. Right? It's about being. Being the right person before God. And then God can bring the right person that's a match for you. And... Um, and may not be for, it might be, it might have been a part of God's original plan for everyone to get married, but some people are not the right person. And so the person that God had ordained for you might not be ready, or you might not be ready, and that person might be ready, and you're stalling their whole life. You know, or they're stalling your life on that, and that not your whole life, but just that aspect of your life, uh, because they're not ready. So it's important for us to be ready. And so the areas to be ready is spiritually. Be the right person spiritually. Right? If you want someone, you should have a, a high standard for who to marry. And, uh, and so we should have a high standard for ourselves. And so spiritually, we should be spiritually prepared. Now, throughout our lives, we should continually grow closer.
closer to God and more in knowledge and in spirit and in truth. And throughout eternity, we will grow knowing more about God. But we should reach a level where we are at peace, where we are content, where our faith is strong to handle uh, problems, that we have a daily prayer life, a, a daily communion, communing with God, where we're actually talking with him and hearing from him, where we're reading the word of God on a regular basis and, and, and receiving it and understanding it and applying it in our lives, and that we are in regular communion uh, with fellowship with others, uh, that we have chosen, uh, uh, that we know what our faith, our basic faiths are, that we can find fellow believers that have those same basic faiths and become part of a community, and so then we can be where God wants us to be. We're sporadic in our congregational worship, right? So we might meet someone there sporadic too, right? So you may go to services on the first of the month. They may go on the third of the month, right? You're never going together, right? So to be consistent, and then we can match someone else who's consistent, be that compatible together and have a consistent spiritual walk, continually growing, but at a point where we are uh, at peace with God and, and, uh, and content in that. And so I have this little diagram here to kind of give an illustration of that, right? So if we're if we're to start off on this outer yellow circle, let's say, right? And, and God is the center, right? So Yeshua is right there in the center, and these lines are the various paths for various different people that God has for us. And so let's say this is, is you, right? And this is the path that God has ordained for you. And if you're on this outer circle looking around to find a spouse, right? You're not going to be getting closer to God. You're going to be on this outside here, you know? And then even if you find someone, well, now you're far from your original path that God had for you, right? And so we need to be moving on that path towards God. And if we're on our path towards God, and everyone is on that path towards God, we're getting closer to that right person as we get closer to God. And so let's say you start on that path and you're drawing closer to God, and then while you're drawing closer to God, you're also looking around, right? So you're trying to do two things at one time. I want God, but I also want a spouse, right? And so you're looking, and so you're there for a while, and you get off on a tangent, and you go looking over here, and now maybe this is the right person. Maybe this is the person God had ordained for you. But they may be over here at this point. And you're going around the circle, and you might miss them because they're not there at that junction. Right? But if you were here, you could be waiting there all, you know, for 10 years. Barbara waited 10 years to meet me, right? So, you know, and then they can eventually catch up with you. Right? And so the point is to get to there. Right? Or, or, or they may be already there, and you're coming around the circle here looking for them. Just keep moving towards the Lord. Keep your eyes focused on him and not on looking for a spouse. Be spiritually content. And then let's say you did meet them. Let's say they were on that path the same time you came here, and now you join together and you start moving towards God together. But you're still not on the path that God had for you. Right? Now you're on their path, and that might not be what God wants. So stay on the path until you're at peace with God, spiritually whole with him, and balanced prayer and, and, and faith and, and the word of God and congregational and active and serving and knowing the gifts that God has used you, given to you and using those for his service. And he'll give you more to those who've used. It will add to that. But be using the ones that you already have. Right? In that parable, she said the one who had one wasn't using it at all. Right? And if we're not using it all, then we're not spiritually whole in that area. And so another area is financially. And you don't have to be rich, right? But you don't want to burden someone with a debt, right? That's not fair to them. It's not wise for you to take on someone's debt either. Right? Once you're married, now you're responsible for their debt. 
So why would you want to lay that burden on someone else? The Bible says that's like bondage, right? It's a slave. And so you've made them a slave to your past debt. Right? So get out of debt, except maybe a mortgage, because most times mortgages are worth more than the value of the home. Uh, but other than that, everything else is worth less. Right? And so we should be making wise decisions financially and the ability to continue to get finances in some way, shape, or form and, and have some abilities in functioning. Right? So that's an important area. And then emotionally. Now we should be on a roller coaster ride. Again, that matches up with spiritually. We should be, have faith and, and be emotionally uh, able to handle problems. And marriage brings problems. Right? And so uh, be emotionally stable. And physically and mentally stable and balanced, right? So if we're in depression, that's not a time to be getting in relationship and dating relationship. God can help us to recover from depression. God can heal us of the depression. And so then we can be ready to be the right spouse. And the same physically. I mean, if, you're, if you've got some kind of a horrible, terrible thing, you know, don't necessarily want to burden someone with that. It doesn't have to be a hindrance. Uh, Johnny Erickson taught him, Paralyzed from the next down, and she got married, you know, and that's good, but it's a special calling, and you got to know about yourself and, and the others. But if there's areas in our life where you know you can be better physically, then allow God to help you and work in that area. And then also socially, right? So we should have uh, good social interaction with other people. Uh, how someone treats their parents very often shows how they treat their, will treat their spouse, right? And so, uh, should love your mother, love your father, love your siblings, uh, love your children. They may all hate you, but that's up to them, right? But as much as impossible on your part, you need to be loving them, right? So you need to be socially uh, balanced and good, right? Have that area good with the Lord, right? Your social interactions, right? Have some friends and healthy relationships. Again, not just virtual things, but healthy relationships. And so that's all. Now, you can look at that list and you go, oh, man, I'm never going to get married if that's what it takes. Now, you can look at it that way, you know, or you can say, God, by your grace, I confess that I've messed up financially or, you know, I need to exercise more. Or I need to, you know, cut this out of my life or whatever it is and give it over to the Lord and let the Lord change you and let the Lord make you ready. The Lord created Eve. The Lord created Adam. And the Lord can recreate in you a new heart and a new mind and get you ready if he has, or at this time, uh, a spouse or a mate for you. And again, that applies. It applies for looking for a job. These same things, right? If you're going to look for a job, we should need to be ready for it, right? You need to be balanced. You're going to apply for a, a pro promotion or a different position. We need to be ready for it, not just expect this. the world should give us stuff, but we need to be ready and balanced. So every area, and whether, again, just a friendship or a community, or we feel a calling to serve in the, in, in the, in the congregation, uh, we should be right with the Lord in these various areas to be balanced in our lives. And there's no reason, especially by God's grace, that we can't be balanced in these areas of our lives. And again, especially we can confess and be forgiven and allow the Lord to transform us through his Holy Spirit and empower us so we can be right with the Lord. And so then there's a way to how to never marry the wrong person. What do you think? There's a way that you can never marry the wrong person. What? Don't get married. Don't get married. Right. That's one way. That's right. Don't get married. If you don't get married, you will never marry the wrong person. Right. That's one way. That's one way. But there's another way also 
Well, you can still get married, but never marry the wrong person. What do you think? What? And never date the wrong person. Right? If you never date the wrong person, it's very hard to marry the wrong person, right? Unless you're out in Las Vegas and get really drunk or something like that, right? Other than that, it's pretty hard to marry the wrong person, right? Uh, so if you uh, if you don't so. Don't date the wrong person. And that's key. But too many people enter into dating trying to find if they're the right, if they're a match, and then they get emotionally wrapped up, and then it's too late to turn back, and they don't turn back. And so don't date until you're the right person and until you find the right person. So how do you find the right person to date? Even before marrying, how do you know if the person is the right person to date? Well, that's what we're going to get into now, right? So only date uh, the right person. And the Bible says that the two become one flesh. This is also Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. The two become one flesh. Now, what mathematical equation do you need to have two becoming one? So you have one and one, and it's still one. No mathematicians here? Multiply, right? Multiplication, right? Yeah. Adding, right? So adding is one plus one is? Two. two. Very good. This is a smart group. All right, very good. That's right. One plus one. So marriage is not addition. Marriage is multiplication. One times one is one. No, not two. One plus one times one is still one, right? Because the law is one times anything is whatever that thing is, right? So one times three is? One times five is? One times a half is? A half. That's right. And so you may be whole, but if that other person is a half, right? So. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Maybe financially or spiritually, maybe some areas they are not whole. That's what I'm getting at, right? I mean, a half, right? But, in some area, they're not ready. They're not maritable yet, right? Shouldn't be married yet. They're not whole in their life yet, emotionally or spiritually or socially. And if a whole marries a half, the two become a half. <laughs> messed up is right. That's right. They become messed up. Very rarely does the whole bring up the half. The half will bring down, because as we see biblically, the two become one. And so a one and a half is now a half. And a half times a half is a quarter. Right. So we see this person, they're dysfunctional, and this other person's dysfunctional, and we think, oh, wow, they'll make a perfect match, right? <laughs> oh, they bring each other down, and the dysfunctions just multiply, and they become a quarter. That's right. So we need to be the right person and only date the right person that is ready for it, right? Even if it was addition, right? So even if one and a half is one and a half, well then average that out, that's now there's still just three quarters each, right? And so that's still not whole, right? And so be spiritually whole, all these areas, and then marry someone who's that way. So how do we find someone that is whole? Well, look in those same areas. 
Right? Are they spiritually, emotionally, socially, financially, mentally, right? whole people and ready for a marriage relationship? And again, that would go for other areas of your life. If you're in a hiring position, right? you would hire someone who's ready for the job, ready to do whatever, whatever they're calling, right? So you're going to ask someone to help you out, fix your car or something like that, though. On, uh, you know, someone who, who's going to have the car drop down on top of you, right? Well, you're underneath, right? So, so choose wisely in these areas. And so how do we find the right person? Have a list, right? Before you go shopping, have you ever gone shopping while you're hungry without a list, right? The whole shopping cart gets full, right? So it's so easy to just go. We're just looking for someone. Just, just anybody and everybody, right? Whatever, we'll just try one person after another, right? That's not good. So have a list beforehand that matches you, right? And so first, you need to be the right person, and then when you're the right person, you'll know yourself, right? If we're spiritually whole and emotionally whole, we'll be able to know our strengths and know our weaknesses and know what areas God is working on us and what areas God needs to continue to work, and we'll, be, and we'll know what our needs are, and we'll be able to find a balance that will help us in that, and to have a list, and your list might be, uh, you know, whatever is for you. Right? So if you're looking for someone who's handsome, you might, I wouldn't be on your list, right? That's okay. You know? so, <laughs> so have your list. Whatever's important to you, you know, have your list. And there should be some, you know, definitely greens. This is a definite, I have to have that. And this is a red, I definitely don't want that. And some yellows, well, it could go either way. You know, and so let's say you're a neat freak, right? You like your house, oh, neat, everything's got to be neat, right? Oh, you don't want to marry a slob, right? You know, you're going to have problems. They don't have to be a neat freak also, right? But if you're going to be cleaning up everything, picking up after them, after a while, that's going to become real old, if that's important to you. Right? So know yourself, know what's important to you. I mean, when Barbara and I went to look for a house, we were looking for a house, we had a list of things that we wanted in the house, right? And so we, we, were, not, we were able to eliminate tons of houses. And basically the first house we looked at, we knew that was it because we had looked at all the stuff about it. We looked at the neighborhood beforehand. We, we knew how many rooms were. We read the description. You look at the pictures. And we basically knew because we had our list. We knew what we were looking for. And the guy who went to the, uh, the car dealership and uh, picks out this nice car and, and he comes driving home with this beautiful, beautiful convertible two-seater car, really sharp, really nice, nice paint job in great shape, got a fair deal for it, and was very happy, and he drives home, he pulls into his driveway and pulls in the garage, and, and then his wife and four kids come out. You know, <laughs> they go, where are we going to sit, you know? <laughs> you got to know what your needs are and pick something that matches those needs, and so have a list, you know, whether you're shopping or or looking for a job, or again, every area of your life aspect. Looking for a congregation, the right congregation. Know yourself, know what the Bible says, know these things, and then find what matches that. And then it's unique, and it should be unique, right? People say, oh, I, I, want, a, I want a spouse. They say, you know, and we're going to find a spouse. Well, how many are you looking for? They say one. Well, don't worry. You'll be able to find one, right? It's not that hard, right? You don't have to find multitudes. You don't need a big crowd. You don't need lots of people. All you need is one. And God's able to. There was only Adam in the garden, right? And God brought him and Eve, right? So you don't have to be in a big crowd for God to bring the right one. Especially if you have your list, it'll be this thing. It'll match you. And then when it, you see it, you'll know it. When I saw Barbara, she matched the list. I knew right off. Oh, I knew. I knew right away. I didn't tell her, but I knew. <laughs> so one of the things that should be on the list is being equally yoked. Right? That's a very important biblical one. You need to be equally yoked. Disaster 
when someone who's a faith believer, again, you should be uh, spiritually whole, marries someone who's not spiritually whole, not in faith. It needs to be faith united. And uh, it's not so much on time, but time does have a little bit of a factor on it, but spiritually matching. It's more than just the same faith. It needs to be, again, basically a spiritual growth area. And right? so one's not constantly lifting the other up. But there might be areas where you are attracted that the person is the opposite. For example, one person might be you know, really good knowing the Bible and knowing, uh, having Bible text memorized and be able to put together a Bible study of text together in an organized way and to share that with other people and, 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 and have a prayer life, but not you know, a real strong prayer life. And then they meet someone who meets all the other clarifications and that person has a really deep prayer life. And they go, man, subconsciously thinking, boy, I wish I had a prayer life like that and I really appreciate that and a prayer partner like that. And, and so they're attracted to that other person because they're spiritually better in that area, different gifts, right? And the other person might not be able to memorize any Bible text. I know the Bible, but not be able to memorize it. And so they're attracted to the other person who does know the Bible. And that's what the gifts matching together. And so in some ways they're the opposites attracting and balancing each other out. Um, but, uh, but as far as faith, knowing the Bible, knowing basic truths and being on the same page regarding those is vitally important. Watch from a distance for a period of time. Like I said, I saw Barbara, I knew the list, she had to match the list perfectly, but I still wanted to watch and make sure it was real. One of the things I had on my list was that she's not looking around, not someone desperate, not dating everyone, not looking, not uh, insecure. And, and, uh, and, and desperate for a spouse. And the only way you can tell that is over time, right? And, and so, uh, gotta watch from a distance. And so, here's a little example, right? So this tree, that's a nice looking tree, right? It's uh, got good shade for the house and nice green leaves on it. And we get closer, you can see the bark is healthy and strong, good strong branches and, and uh, nice colorful leaves, right? Looks like a great tree. But we go further back, we can see the top of it is all dead. <laughs> I mean, you cut it down, while the perimeter was all real healthy bark, the inside of it, the core of it, was rotten to the core. And uh, it was dead inside. And sometimes you can't see those things unless you're far back. And in dating relationships, once we are close, once you're hugging that tree, there is no way to step back. We get emotionally wrapped up when we're close and everyone else in the world can see this is a disaster coming and they can tell you and you've probably seen experiences like you've told them over and over. Everybody has told them and they just keep on moving headstrong into the disaster, the train wreck. And that's because they've gotten too close, too soon, didn't have the list, didn't check the list from a far distance when it, logic was still kicking in before the emotions kick in. There's a time for the emotions to kick in. The emotions are very important to be that glue to hold things together, but the, not at the beginning. Beginning, you want to be off at a distance and watch. So I watched Barbara for five months. Try and get all seasons, right? But watch for, people can fake it, right? If they know you're watching, whether a job interview or whatever, they can, they, they can fake it for about three months, right? And then we revert back to ourselves if we don't think anyone is, and that's what happens at marriage, right? So the people will date and there'll be this fake thing throughout the dating process, and the other person will be blind to whatever errors might be there, 
And then once they get married, we revert back. Exactly what we originally were. And that's one of the things with marriage. Uh, uh, the, uh, the woman is constantly thinking, I'm going to change him. Exactly. And the man is constantly thinking, she's never going to change. <laughs> and that's a big problem when those two things collide. Because you won't change the guy, and change is inevitable. Other kind of changes, right? You get older, or shape changes, things change. Right? And so, um, so to have that list and to accept and then love, regardless of what takes place, and to know the person. The only way to know what a person's really like, because we lie. We lie when we're dating. We lie when we're on that job interview. We lie when we're filling out the, uh, the, the job application or the resume. Right? We're putting the best <laughs> there. And you're going to tell them that you, you, you know, broke something at the other job, right? Yeah, so, uh, so watch for a time. Right? Do your research. And again, that, that applies to everything and anything, I think. That's what I'd like to do. And before you buy a car, do your reviews, check your, you know, about that make and that model and that year and, and what other people have said and, and get, to, get some, don't have to be the first buy, person to buy that new phone or that new watch, right? That new thing, right? See, let it pan out for a time and let's see if the thing makes it a few years. And then uh, I just bought, I, got a, I had a tick a few weeks ago, so, and I tried to get out with a tweeters, tweezers, and I read if you squeeze the thing, it's going to inject more poison into you. I don't want to get Lyme disease. So I wanted to buy one of these things that removes ticks. A $3 item, right? And uh, I looked at five different companies, five different brands of ones, and all different ones to do, say, do this, do that. I looked at reviews and stuff for a $3 item, right? Well, how much more important is marrying the right person? Right? Yeah. And I may be OCD, right? So you don't have to go that far, right? I am uh, uh, organized, conscientious, and disciplined, right? OCD, right? So, so I, want to, I want to buy the right thing. More than the $3, I want, I want to have the, get the right thing. Now, how many years do we spend to get a job, training for the job? Started kindergarten, right on through high school, a few years in college, maybe many years in college, right? maybe some job training, and, and all for a job that's part-time, right? 40 hours is part-time, right? <laughs> Eight hours a day, it's only one-third of a day, and it's only five days a week, that's only part of the week, right? So it's really only part-time, and it's only for about 40 years, right? it's part-time. And yet we'll spend 12, 16 years preparing for the hours and hours and hours, preparing for that part-time job, and how much time do we spend preparing for marriage? Which is till death do we part, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Some people spend no time at all. And we would spend lots of time preparing for it. So step way back, watch from a distance, see, know your list, have your list, take your time, wait on the Lord, draw, keep, just keep your eyes focused on the Lord, drawing to him and wait upon him. And so take it slow, right? Take it slow. Slower the better. And I recommend no intimacy until appropriate, right? So I'll go again hugging that tree before it's time, right? So no intimacy, because once you have the intimacy, now the emotions kick in and the logic shuts off. Right? It shuts off. And that's again, whether in dating or in shopping or, you know, whatever it is, right? And so keep the logic there, making the right decision. Right? Before the emotions 
kick in. So really slow. Now, in a traditional wedding setting, right, the minister says at the end of the wedding ceremony, he says, you may now kiss the bride, right? And so why does he say you may now kiss the bride if you've been kissing all along, right? So Barbara and I took that to mean no kissing until the minister gives us permission to kiss. And so our first kiss was on our wedding day. Yep. Yep. And in traditional, another phrase for getting engaged. Now what's another phrase for getting engaged? What's that? Getting hitched, right? But the person asks for your hand in marriage, right? That's a traditional thing, right? And so we took that to mean we wouldn't hold hands until we were engaged. Right? So we did not hold hands our whole nine or so months of engagement. So I watched her for five months. We were dated for, courted for about nine months. No hand holding, no hugging. No walking down the street, no hand in hand. And so we kept it logic. And you know, I noticed that it's impossible to talk while you're kissing. Right? So uh, we spent a lot of time talking. A lot of people spend a lot of time kissing, and they're not talking. And I've also noticed, we've been married now 31 years, I've noticed that we spend more time talking in our marriage than having sex in our marriage. Right? So dating, it's more important to be talking than it does to be uh, involved kissing or, and all that other stuff. Right, yeah. All right. So, and that, there will be time for that, and the first year of marriage needs glue to hold it together. Because now you're mixing two incompatible people together, right? With irreconcilable differences, right? He's a woman, or she's a woman, he's a man, right? That's irreconcilable right from the start. And you're trying to blend it together, and so that's when the kissing and the emotional needs to be there and to help that glue through that tough time. Not during the dating, because then it's old hat. It won't have that same glue power, that same sticking power that it did if you've been kissing all along. And again, you want that time to be spent in talking, communicating, getting to know each other, making sure they're matching the list, right? So you watched, you had your list, you watched from a distance, and you saw they were matching it, and now you're communicating and getting to know each other better, right? So uh, one of the things we asked each other, you know, how much do you feel God should, you should give to offerings to the Lord? And we matched. The percentage we were giving at that time was exactly the same, right? It would be Something to know that if one person feels a dramatically different amount than the other, right, that's going to be a conflict. Those are things. How many children do you want? Right? Various things like that. And communicating that and learning to communicate and learning to get along and learning to make decisions together during that dating time. I know a couple they were dating, and uh, he chose the honeymoon. He surprised her where they were going to go. Well, it was nowhere. Right? It, was, it wasn't on our bucket list at all. And they should have planned that together. That was not a good way to start off the marriage, right? And so uh, learning to talk, learning to communicate, learning to get along, learning how to each other, knowing each other, right? We should be as honest as possible at that time. Throughout our dating time, we continually prayed, even to the day of our marriage, Lord, if this is not from you, reveal it very clearly to us now so that we can part in peace now. It's a whole lot easier to part in peace if you haven't been hand-holding and haven't been kissing uh, than once you're emotionally attached. Otherwise, hearts break. Otherwise, just you're able to split up a lot easier. And so we want to know the Lord's will, not our will. And so we continually sought to see, so during that time, are we really compatible? Is this really going to work? 
better to know before than making a contract till death do you part before God. And so spend that time. And again, that should be on any contract or anything, any purchase. Uh, know these things. Take it slow. Don't rush into it. There's no need. Plenty of time for lots of stuff. Whether, again, choosing a house, choosing a car, choosing a friend, uh, job, position, everything in life. These are good principles. And get good counsel. And so I got counsel before I asked Barbara if she was interested in entering into a dating relationship to see if we were compatible for marriage. And so you want to know beforehand, get other people's opinion beforehand, again, like looking at those reviews on that product before you buy, before we got in dating situation. And so I wrote to her parents. Now, she was 40 years old. And this was in the 90s, right? So this is not, you know, old, you know, this is untraditional even at that time. And so I wrote to her parents. They probably thought I was nuts, but they wrote me back and said, okay. And uh, we had some mutual friends. My mother had already known Barbara, and so I asked her opinion. And other people that I respected, I spoke with my minister and asked if he thought I was ready for that. Did he think I was spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically whole and ready to enter into a type of a relationship like that. And you want to ask people who are going to tell you the truth. Not everyone's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, the cat and the dog are going to get together, right? No, they're so happy with any type of relationship, right? You want someone who's going to tell you the truth about yourself. Well, I think you need to grow in this area, you know, some more first or whatever. Uh, or I don't think it's a match or whatever. Get their opinion and take their opinion to heart and listen to it. And so we counseled. And when I asked Barbara, would you like to... To, to enter into this courtship relationship to see if we're compatible for marriage. You know what she said? Yeah, I'm going to pray on it. I'll pray on it and let you know. Right? And so she prayed on it, and then she counseled with someone who knew me and knew her. And, and then she gave me the answer. Right? So getting good counsel, don't be in a rush. Yeah, you can spend the rest of your lives together. Right? So make sure right in the beginning. Right? Uh, nine months wasn't long. Within two months of engagement, 11 months, we can wait for all this other stuff. There's plenty of time for the other stuff. And then get good counsel throughout the dating process. And so we continued to counsel with people who demonstrated success in marriage. Not because they've been married 10 times. I mean, they demonstrated success in marriage. They had happy, good marriages in their lives. And so we, we counseled with them. And it's amazing. We, we learned certain things from certain couples and other things from other couples and other things from other couples. And so we asked a number of different people to give us counseling. And so we counseled throughout that time. And it's good to counsel all throughout marriage. It's good to have that. And so get good counseling and choose good counseling people. And that goes back to having good social relationships before you find the right person to be a match for you. Back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 23. Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. They were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. All right, so bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, at compatibility. And the only way to know if we're compatible is by watching from having a list, knowing yourself, being right, and, uh, and 
watching from a distance, and then communicating and talking and knowing the person and both being open and honest. Is that compatibility, that bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. There's one person I read that, that uh, the loneliest people are not single people. The loneliest people are people who are married but not matched. So you want to be matched and make sure it's a match from the Lord. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, right? Marry my best friend type of thing. Yeah. And to leave the father and mother, right? And so you need to leave the other stuff behind and be committed and dedicated to be a helper, again, to give to the other person. Not about getting, but about giving. And it only comes when we are whole and overflowing that our love cup is filled with the Lord and able to flow over to others. Talking with the spouse and other people. Um, but if it's not full, and if we're only 80% in that basis of wholeness, then we will constantly be trying to fill that from the other person. And then we become a love sucker. And we just suck the love out of them, right? We're just constantly trying to get them to fill that area in our life, and no human will be able to fill that area in your life. You need to be whole. They need to be whole. Leave your father and mother. Leave the other things. Separate and be joined together to becoming one. And then not ashamed. Right? So we shouldn't have any guilt. We shouldn't be bringing any guilt into it. Everything's been confessed. That we know any area in our life at that time in our life and surrender to the Lord that we can be pure before him and pure in the marriage and uh, balanced and growing and growing together then from that point closer to the Lord and ever growing experience and not have to deal with the shame and the guilt. They were not ashamed. Their hearts were right with God. Adam's focus was on the Lord. He was created for him. He brought them together. And God, at the right time, it's according to his will, at the right time. And it's all, marriage is not about marriage here. It's all about representing the eternal marriage, the ultimate marriage. In Revelation 21, verse 2, I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God is preparing us as a bride for him. That ultimate marriage. And so marriages here on this earth are to be a representation of that unity, that oneness that God wants us to have with him. That's the purpose of marriage. Right? Not about having someone to talk to or be with. It's about showing that unity of God, that love of God, and pointing people to that, that people might see that two people were able to get together and work things out and go through difficulties and stick together. It's a powerful testimony of the love of God and the miracle of God. And so he won't come for his bride until his bride is ready. Right? He's ready, but he's waiting for us to get ready. That's what he's waiting on. He's not waiting on the world to get worse. He's not worrying, worrying, waiting on, on, on people to be more evil. He's waiting on his bride to be whole, without spot, without wrinkle, without blame, without guile in her mouth. And so similarly, we need to be at that point without a shame, be able to stand before the Lord, growing in him, 
and at peace with him and happy with him and content with him. Not jealous and looking and discontent, but at peace. That's what he wants for his bride, for his bride to be working together, serving the Lord joyfully and happily, unified together, and then we can be unified in him, at one with him. When we do that, then he's able to come, by his grace, we're able to do it by his grace, then he's able to come and marry his bride. So he's waiting on us. And so as we prepare to pray, that these areas apply to you. Maybe there's some area in your life where God's convicting you. There's some area where you're, you're not spiritually whole. There's some area that in your life, yeah, God's calling you to make some adjustments in your lifestyle, your diet, or your exercise, or your prayer life, or your Bible study life, or some area in your life. Can your finances straightened out? Some area in your life. Whether in preparation for marriage or preparation for heaven. Be whole with the Lord, spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally. Then confess it to the Lord, give it over to him, and surrender it to him. And let him transform your heart in that area. Let him work in that area. Let him change you. And let him live in you and out of you and empower you to be the right person for his calling, whether for service in his work or a friend or a spouse or a job or a career, whatever it is, that you be the right person You're where the Lord has planted you, where the Lord has called you. Be there. And I believe just as surely as God has a place prepared for us in heaven, he has a place each moment of the day for us here on this earth. And as he has a purpose for us, and if he has a spouse for us, he'll again bring the two together. So if there's some area in your life that's not whole, not right, surrender that to the Lord in a moment when we pray. Secondly, if you've been jealous of others and that you don't have and you've been uh, angry at the Lord for not giving you what you think you need, whether you think you need a spouse or, 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 or children or, or this job or this thing or, or this car or this position, surrender it to the Lord and be content with whatever lot you're in now in life. You know, people think like marriage is a have to be. The Bible says that the angels don't get married. How many angels in heaven do you think there are that are looking down going, man, I wish I was created as a human so I could have gotten married, right? I don't think so, right? I don't think there's any angels that are jealous of, being, of humans because uh, we get to get married and they don't, right? So it doesn't have, it's not a have to. Right? It's not a, you can, we can be fully content and at peace uh, in God's calling for our lives uh, in him and walking in him. And so if, uh, if you're jealous and looking, again, not content in the Lord, Surrender that to him, give that over to him, and be at peace with him, walking with him. Arm in arm, the Bible says he will be our husband, right? He will be our spouse. So unite with him and be at peace with him. And then he can give us the desires of our heart as we delight in him and put him first and foremost. Maybe there's some other area in your life, maybe again, uh, need to be looking and waiting, whether again it's a spouse or a or a position, or a house, or a purchase, or something like that. There's some decision you need to make in your life, and you want the Lord's wisdom, you want the Lord's counsel. You want him to reveal and to guide and direct. If that's the case, then surrender that to him, and step back and let him guide and direct you to wise counselors, or the area where you can get that information, or who to talk to, and communicate with, and allow that to apply to your life. 
Barbara and I knew someone, she was married at the time, and she loved our story. She loved to hear our story, she loved to tell our story to everybody she met. She would she'd find a single person, she'd tell them our story, she'd pull us over, tell them your story, and she would go and tell the story while we're standing there. She loved to tell our story, and then her husband left her. And even though she knew our story and knew our experience, by heart in her head, she broke every one of the rules and went and married someone else. It takes more than just logic. We need the Spirit of the Lord to walk in His ways. So we need His grace and His power. So if there's some area in your life you're needing His grace, you're needing His power, some decision you're needing to make, you don't act in impulse, don't act on emotion, don't act out of want and desire, wait upon the Lord, surrender it to Him, and let Him guide and direct in that area for you. And fourth, if maybe you're married, maybe you've been married, maybe it didn't work out, and maybe you're seeing tonight that there were things you should have done that would have made the marriage stronger. There were things you could have done to make sure that you were a match or got those things out of the way if you would have done these other things, some of the things we talked about tonight. Well, if that's the case, then surrender it to the Lord now. Just confess it now and let him cleanse the past so he can redeem and change the future because right? it takes God's doing that. But without that, we will make the same mistake over and over again. Right? So confess it, surrender it, give it over to him. Let him forgive you. Let him cleanse you of it and change your mind and your actions so we can move forward by his grace. So if any of those areas apply to you or maybe some other area God's speaking to your heart, let's pray and let God do his work. Our Lord and our God, ruler of the universe, we're thankful for your love for us. We're thankful for creating humans. Thank you for creating us as we are. Thank you for creating us with the desire to be around other people and to be, have friends and, and to have relationships. And so, Lord, and thank you also for uh, Yeshua leaving heaven and coming to this earth and becoming flesh and becoming human and knowing our needs and knowing our heart's desires and knowing our wants and knowing what it's like to be human and knowing our loneliness and knowing our feelings. And thank you, Lord, for dying for us. Thank you for bearing our weight and our sins. And so forgive us for our mistakes. And thank you for your spirit to transform us and change us. And so come into us and live inside us and make us whole beings. Make us peace with you and contempt, uh, 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 um, content in you. Fill us with your mind, fill us with your heart, and fill us with your actions. Live in us and out of us. Lord, make us the type of people that are ready to be your bride. Prepare us for you. Keep us our eyes focused on you. Cleanse us of all defilement. Touch our lips with the coal off your altar. There be no guile in our mouth. Wash us and cleanse us through your spirit and your blood. Clothe us with your garments, your righteousness, your holiness. And live in us and out of us that people would see you in us. Whether in whatever state we're in, whether single or married, may they see you in us, living in us. And prepare us for your calling upon our lives. In Yeshua's holy name, amen.